0: Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Ferminger, and today, really, really happy because I get to welcome Dennis Heaton and Rachel Langer back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Now, they have both been here before. Dennis has joined me a couple of times to talk about the hundreds of hours he has spent in television writers' rooms on shows like Motive, Ghost Wars, and The Order, and what exactly it is that goes on in his brain that results in his often bonkers output. And P.S. I hope to have him back in the space very, very soon to grill him about his upcoming series, The Imperfects. And Rachel? Well... Rachel Langer is one of my favorite humans. Rachel is a Leo award-winning screenwriter whose growing list of credits includes episodic fare like This Life, Ghost Wars, The Bletchley Circle San Francisco, The Order, and Transplant, for which she also serves as co-executive producer. And fun fact, she did most of her work for Transplant second season in the room next door to the studio. If you listen to those episodes, and I think you should listen to those episodes, damn, you'll note a few things. They're both really funny. They're both sarcastic, they've both got away with words, and they both refer to each other numerous times as collaborators, mentors, friends, and peers. So today, instead of talking about each other behind their respective backs, I've assembled them here in this room to talk about each other in front of my mics. Not only is this part of my longer arc, my, my longer character arc, to understand what it is that goes on in that most sacred of spaces, the television writer's room, but I'm also keen to understand how they help each other create their work and navigate the highs and lowly lows of this... Fucked up industry So that was my That was my sign to you That yes Rachel You can swear Dennis fucking (laughs) Heaton Rachel fucking Langer Welcome back to the fucking YVR screen scene podcast Fuck
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fuck (laughs)
2: It's fucking great to be here Sweet
0: Okay so Before we begin I want to talk about my work. Okay. Um, what is your response to how I've described you both and described your relationship in my thesis statement? I mean.
1: 78% accurate.
0: Okay, yeah. okay, let's talk more about it. I feel like we're about to start yeah. therapy. High accuracy level. <laughs> yeah, 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 fairly,
1: fairly accurate. Well, how, so.
0: how do you see each other? Like I, I describe you as um, <clears throat> collaborators, mentors, friends, and peers, but yeah. how do you see each other? I
1: very
2: well, <laughs> matching. We wore matching colors. I know. I know. That's like meaning it, to.
1: It's it's like the same tone green.
2: It, yeah, identity
0: That camouflage yeah. green. Yeah. yeah, you know, like like I'm gonna count, go into the background kind of green, but and yeah. yet not because.
1: Oh no, because then we can watch.
2: Yeah. I was thinking about that this morning coming here because Dennis was one of the first people of merit in my um, film career or television career how did
1: you meet do you want to tell that story or uh
2: i think you were you were doing a talk on call me fits um that was hosted by the canadian film center which was a place that i was interested in going and i was serving and bartending at milestones
1: you were at the milestones across the street and i think we had actually i think we had actually met at the milestones a couple of times
2: yeah was and he a good, like, as customer? Like? I was serving them and yeah. I knew of Dennis and shakingly said, I'm a big fan of your work and then tried not to spill the drinks as I ran yeah. away. And I
1: was, I, I, I get really embarrassed when that happens to me in public. So I probably went, yeah, thanks. And, and like, <laughs> yeah. got totally like, and it, it, like, Cynthia fucking cracks up, <laughs> right? Because it's, it's, you know, it's happened a couple of times where we'll be in a restaurant and somebody will come on and go, are you Dennis Heaton? And I'm like do I have
2: to say? <laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm, every time that happens, which is rare, once in yeah. a while it's happened to me, it's usually like, um, okay, who's asking? Like the cops? <laughs> yeah, or, yeah. You got a badge. And, then, and then they're like, I follow you on Twitter and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And yeah. that's just always not, you know, but yeah. with you, I was like, you did that, exactly uh-huh. that. And then I was like, oh, I fucked that up. I yeah. guess that's it. And then I came to your talk yeah. and I, the whole time was like, you you get one question so go ask one good question and it better not suck at the end you know yep. and so i did that and yeah. dennis was really generous and said well it's a good question it's nice to meet you here's my email why don't you follow up and and it was i i was floored i'd never had that happen before yeah was it a good question dennis
1: yeah no it was it was a great question and and i mean um <laughs> Like what? What he was gonna say
0: today, actually, Rachel, fucking sucked. Oh my god! No. How are you still working? The
1: the CFC was like, you gotta pick one. (laughs) Um, What it was was the like the CFC had said we've got like a ton of applicants from BC this year, and we're not gonna be able to, um, you know, we're not gonna be able to interview everybody, and we'd love like a bit of help, you know, and also give them something to, you know. sort of sort of have you know is, is like a you know some kind of session kind of thing and so I agreed to do um I think it was like anatomy of a of a tease or something like that like we really sort of drilled into a very specific part of screenwriting hmm. and and so it was like I was talking about call me fix I was talking about the tease openings because the teases on fits were very specific and not always necessarily tied to the show um, structurally, but tied thematically, so you know they could sometimes be really hard to write. Um, and then I had an itchy foot, that's why I paused. Um, <laughs> and Rachel, Rachel was one of those people that was interested in going to the CFC, so she was on the list. I think there was about twenty people there, mm-hmm. and and um, you know, and it's like Rachel was one of the few people that came up to me afterwards. And that was like one of, like when I went to the CFC, it was one of the first things the instructor said to us was, when you meet somebody, go up afterwards, thank them for their time. Try and If you have a question, ask them, but just have like a couple of more minutes with them. So I was like, when Rachel came up to me, I'm like, ah, she knows the game kind (laughs) of thing. And, and she asked for a coffee and, and I was like. I think it was like one of those things where it's like, I can do a coffee, but I can't do it for three months. Yeah, that's right. Kind of thing. And and so I I said, you know, reach out in three months. And 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 I know this because we talked about this afterwards, because I was I was seeking Rachel's counsel on this um, later on because I would be going to classes and I still do. I go to classes and I talk with students and I'll say, if you have any questions, You know, talk to your, talk to your instructor, they can email it to me. And it's like, you know, nine times out of 10, nobody comes back to us Hmm. or comes back to me with stuff. So I always go through this like, oh God, I'm such an asshole. Nobody wants to talk to me (laughs) kind of thing. And, 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 you know, and, and I was, I was talking to Rachel about this is like, you know, because this was specifically at the time where, you know, a lot of the conversation was around. How do we, you know, how do we increase diversity in our industry? Mm -hmm. And what am I failing to do when I'm talking to students to get them to understand that when I'm saying, reach out to me, I'm serious. I'm legitly saying, you can reach out to me. Yeah. That it's not just like the sort of word soup at the end of a session Mm -hmm. where it's like, hey, thanks, reach out to me sometime, which, you know, is like code for go fuck yourselves. Mm -hmm. And, And it's not. Um, code for go fuck yourself is go fuck
0: yourself. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so what? It, so what advice then that. did Rachel give you then? Or well, Rachel, what did you say to Dennis?
2: Well, I remember saying, when you when you were like, "Am I just an asshole, or are mm-hmm. they not reaching out?" I said, "You know, both you said, things can be true." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not what I said. Um,
1: yeah, I, but it
3: was in
2: your eyes. You <laughs> do, do that with a look, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I remember saying that the all you can do is make the offer and be open with mm-hmm. the response and then when the offer if somebody does capitalize to actually do the work which is yeah. the hardest part of making those offers because you know 9 times out of 10 only one person will ask you but there is always that one time where six people say hey yeah. i'm going to take you up on that and it always happens the day you start production on something and you're yeah. like okay yeah. so you kind of have to find the right way to do it and what I learned from Dennis was it's okay to say yes that offer stands it stands in three months and and that is also actually a great test of follow-up because the people Mm -hmm. who do come back to you in three months and said hey you told me this date I'm just checking in they're the ones that are gonna stick Mm -hmm. and I remember telling Dennis you know it has really nothing to it's not about you Dennis it was about me being scared yeah no and
1: that was was actually really Salient advice that that Rachel gave me was because that was specifically what I was looking for. Is is because it's like it's it did seem it did seem that like the majority of people who did take me up on it historically were people that were like me, right? Like mm-hmm. Cis Caucasian male, and I was and I was like you know and I'm I want to help everybody who wants to be a writer. So 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 you know. Specifically, you know, I was looking for that thing. It was like, what am I doing wrong in terms of inspiring the next Rachel Langer? to sort of come talk to me yeah. kind of thing. So
2: That would just like that be the end of the world though if that happened. We, yeah. There can be only one. It's a No, 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 situation. no. Well,
1: that's that's when I phone you and then you go and like kill them and it's really uncomfortable because I'm like Rachel you weren't supposed to kill them.
0: Well, I'm what? afraid of the cops, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to include that part in no, the no, podcast because people let's, people let's might m- come after you. People might come after you. Let's you, let's, let's cut that out. Oh no, that's completely <laughs> stinking. How important then would you say our relationships like yours, or ones that aren't even like yours, because you do seem to be friendly. You like each other, you're friends. I'm um, all right. Y- you're okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know you that well, but <laughs> I, I think you're okay. But how important are relationships, do you think, to moving forward in this career, you know, as writers?
2: I think, like, people give a really trite piece of advice a lot of the time, which is relationships are the only thing that matters. And, and that is mostly true but i think what people sort of don't go into detail on is that it building relationships is a skill in itself and it's one of the only skills that will get you a job and you Mm. really have to be willing to play the long game in building a relationship um and you know we're very much in a I don't know if anyone's noticed, but we're very polarized as a society these days. What? Yeah.
1: You're wrong. <laughs> I, you're wrong. You know, you're um, so fucking wrong. You're about You're
2: both that. wrong. I can't tell That's you, you are stupid for being that That's wrong. That's true. But at least I'm pretty. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, no more human here. <laughs> oh shucks. No. Oh, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, building a relationship—it it really is a long game, and I think that people really want it to happen quickly. They think I've made the connection. Now, I capitalize on the connection, and then I get the job, and things are good, right? But the truth is that it's like, it's a constellation of long games, you know? There should be five connections you're trying to go for, and it's going to take a while. And the stamina and persistence it takes to build a relationship in a, you know, respectful, human way. An authentic way. Yes, it's hard. And so it's something I sometimes wish... um, more training programs taught, the anatomy of building a relationship. Oh yeah. Cause I, I yeah. mean that's what I it's what took a like it I mean, I met you and then it was probably a year and a half before I like felt kind of comfortable like talking to you. We'd had a few coffees. Yep. But that long game has been one of the most kind of fruitful and most fun of my career. So yep. yeah. Well I think you know you, you guys should teach that. <laughs> well, or Rachel should we'll, teach it. Rachel should teach it. She, okay. We'll
0: take
1: it. I just I just sit in a hovel and go all day. <laughs> and that's me on a good day. The um oh God I had
0: um, oh, sorry, I sacrificed it for the laugh. No, nah, no, nah, it's fine. You <laughs> should,
1: should always sacrifice knowledge for a good laugh.
2: That's true.
1: I mean, that's why Rome was ended, but, you know, it was great at the time.
2: And it's interesting.
1: That's right. They were like, It's
2: <laughs> the most
0: important thing. <laughs> yeah. Our
1: society is collapsing. This is hilarious.
0: But I guess so. you don't want the other person to feel like they're be a game piece either, right? Like, well, there that's has to be a lot of authenticity
1: that's that's like i think when rachel talks about the real connection right like it's 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 not like it's not like a checklist of things i have i have reached out to you know uh an experienced writer and had them give me you know get a coffee with them check right now now i ask them for to read my script and give me feedback check right kind of thing it's there's there is a There, there is a. Well, I think it's like anything in the industry. There's a jazz to it. There's a, there's a sort of like just a quality of, you know, the improvisational nature of do two people get along, right? Hmm. Like Rachel and I, um, you know, we share a lot of the same interests. Like, you know, the way the way that you and I share a lot of the same interests in terms of genre. Yeah. Um. You know, and Rachel's, Rachel's first spec that she sent me to read was a Walking Dead, and I was like. You know, really, okay, this is awesome. I want to read so, that. <laughs> and, it, oh, and it was a really good Walking Dead spec. Dead spec, and she had done exactly what you needed to do when you're dealing with writing a spec for a heavily serialized show. Is she did a 2.5, hmm. like, and it's it's the episode that goes between two existing episodes in a season, mm-hmm. and it worked really well because. And I also knew both of those episodes really well, and I was able to go, Oh yeah, you know, I can see this being like a potential story and you know not only did it sort of mesh into the world um but it meshed in to the you know the the essential narrative of those yeah. two stories like she didn't try to change the outcome of something where it's like now daryl's dead you know which would have you know i would have never talked to you again Nobody's and killing Daryl. Would have been fair, man. It yeah. would have been
2: fair. Yeah. So th- And the other side of what you're saying about authenticity is something like I learned from Dennis, which is that when you're in a position to make those offers and to say, hey, I, I do want to help people come up. Like you have, you have a responsibility when you get to a certain level to pay forward the things that were offered to you support wise, or if they weren't offered to you, to build them. That. That's mm-hmm. your job. And what yes. I always felt like with Dennis was that he got something out of that, or at least he was really good at pretending. So he, like, I felt like when we would have coffee, he would get something out of that, which is, like, I want to build up the next generation of writers. I want to support people who have interesting voices or potential. And I felt like it wasn't just me asking, 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 although I was very clear that I was mostly the asker. Um, I felt like when we would meet up, he would be like, this is cool for me because of this. And and that makes it um, not just – it's so hard as a, you know, a junior person or somebody trying to break in to feel like you're a burden. But when somebody actually wants to be of service, that relationship equalizes a little bit. And mm. it's something that, you know, is often left out of the conversation about gatekeepers. It's just like stopping a gatekeeper. But the way that you do that or the way that you can try to challenge yourself is to say, but – I want to pay it forward so I get something out of this so then it's equal instead of you know me just like like taking time away or whatever
1: yeah and the the gate the gatekeeping thing you know it almost sometimes feels like an allegation that you know it's like you're a gatekeeper it's like well I, I guess but you know it's also my time (laughs) <laughs> kind of thing in yeah. there, you know, and, and and honestly... Sorry, have
0: people called you a gatekeeper when you haven't been able to like uh, well, take in, them in, for a in, coffee not, or something?
1: Not in a specific, n- never a specific thing like that. I'm talking about it more in the in the sort of sense of seeing that terminology mm. out there and knowing that as an established writer, that's what you're considered mm-hmm. is, is a gatekeeper. And it, and it's kind of like I I don't feel that way because I think there are so many ways into this industry that completely circumvent me that if i'm a gatekeeper like if i'm a gatekeeper i'm bad you know it's, (laughs) it's like i'd be like the guy that's like oh hey yeah like um the orcs are here (laughs)
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, and Gandalf would be like, "Yeah, we know we're we're fighting with them in the palace." I'm like, "Okay, good. Well, just so you know."
2: You'd be like, you like the guy at the bar who's like guarding the door, being like, "Yeah, this door's locked, but if you go around yeah. the side, yeah, and he'll give you free drinks. The go side around the, the, side, you know? the side. door's open. Make yeah. a,
1: make a short film, and you don't have to talk to me. Seriously. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> yeah. I'm." I am completely expendable yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Um, and that, oh, that was the point I was going to make. Is, hey, we got is, there! Yeah, I yeah. got back to it, is, um And, you know, j- it was just a sort of dogpile on uh, what Rachel was talking about in terms of the relationships and stuff like that, is um, the, the importance of networking mm. as, as an industry thing still. And it's like, I see this I see this on social media and like writers groups and stuff when they talk about how it should solely be based on the quality of the writing and it shouldn't be based on you know networking or anything like that and it's like it's like how do you expect somebody to learn about your writing if they don't meet you first Mm. right like now like it's 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 almost like a vapor lock for me because networking is such a fundamental way to get in, to get your material in front of somebody, yeah. if somebody, and and in all honesty, there are you know there are a ton of reasons why I'm not just going to read a script that lands on my desk. Mm-hmm. You know, one, it's like I don't know who this person is, so I don't know I don't know the provenance of this material. Mm. I don't know, you know, and and that opens up like legal questions of you know you know somebody's like hey i really love the order i've sent you an order script and and it's like well i actually can't look at that yeah because it's like it's 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 a well i could now but at the time it would have been like i'm making this show if this is at all like one of my episodes i'm fucked yeah kind of thing because you know i'm opening myself up to an a- accusation of um you know story theft kind of thing and that's the last thing any of us want.
2: The other key about that is that in a writer's room, I mean, and this is something I'm learning now where I've been in a, just newly in a position to kind of weigh in on staffing and you know, what the chemistry of our room should look like and how a room should even work and it doesn't work the same for everybody. Um, I can rewrite a script but I can't rewrite an attitude. So if I don't know what your attitude is gonna be like, but because we haven't met, and when I say met, met can be on Zoom, met can be on the phone, I'm not saying in a traditional you have to spend eight hours in a room together, but if I haven't interacted with you and spent time with you, I don't know what kind of you know, attitude you're gonna bring into the room and there's certain alchemy to what's needed. There mm-hmm. are various attitude spots to fill. Just like it's you know, just like there are archetypes for characters. Your room has to fill those things. And you know, and if you have a non-traditional room where you don't spend eight hours, but you're more assignment based, and you kind of are doing things disparately, you need to really know that your team has your back. Um, because there's never enough time, and I, I know I can do a pass on a script. That's no problem. But I need to, need to know that the people in that room are there for the show and to you know serve the vision, which just is something that you have to learn as you come on. Yeah.
1: The worst, the worst writer to get in a writer's room is a doctor no, because mm. a doctor no just shuts down conversation. Yeah, and and it's and it's and it's really it's it, for me it's actually a sign it's a sign of a of a dysfunctional room when you've when you've joined a room and it's been staffed with somebody and that person goes no that I don't like that idea or that idea sucks right and 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 then you're sitting there going okay well what's your idea well I don't have an I don't have an idea I'm just telling you what I don't like about yours
0: kills the room kills, kills the room I,
1: you know the conversation just dies and and nobody wants to pitch and you know there's no there's none of the sort of you know, I'm going to butcher French, the joie de vie, that, mm, that should be good. happening. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, that should be happening in the room, which, you know, which is like the yes and rules of improv. You know, now I'll, I'll caveat that with... The one person who can say no to an idea is the showrunner. And the one person who has to say no to an idea is the showrunner.
2: Or whoever their voice is on the day. Or whoever their voice
1: is on the day. Yeah. But it's also their responsibility to give an explanation of why they don't want to go down that path. Hmm. And it's also their re- responsibility to sort of revise the conversation in such a way that they don't shut down the com- the the room. So, so you know, the showrunner is also you know, it's their responsibility to not be a doctor, no, in how they do it. And and that's actually something that takes a while to sort of learn.
2: It's true. It's a real skill, because, you sure. know, you, I, to be in that, you've been tra- you get trained your whole kind of career. Don't shut down conversation. Don't be the person who's like, no, I don't like that. No, that doesn't work for me. Sometimes you can say no in a way you can be more direct and say, I'd say no to that only because of this. But here's how I would get to the heart of what you're saying. Yeah. Um. But as as a either the showrunner or their voice on the day, when you say no, you have to do it in a way that encourages people to keep pitching, but that also steers them away from the avenue that the pitches aren't helpful. So to say, well, production-wise, we can't do that because we need six characters, but we can afford one. Or to say... We, we do a lot of this on transplant where, you know, Joe and I have the whole show in our heads. You know, we, ha- we know every medical story that we've ever done because we've been in each of them so intimately. But we can't expect anybody else to be there because they haven't spent the time with them on the page that we have. Yeah. So half the ideas that get pitched were like, we love it. We kind of did it, you know, but but stay in that vein, just find a different medical. You know, the emotion is good, but the medical isn't working. Or the emotion we've done, but that medical could work if you could find something else underneath it. And to do that in an encouraging way, but in a direct way where people understand the expectation, it's a real art. It's a real art. There is so much
0: more about, like, interpersonal relationships and understanding... Interplay between human beings that goes into being a showrunner and a writer than I actually even realized.
1: Oh, it's uh, it, there's so much more at, at, at like at like sort of executive producer level sort of credit writers. I, I think one of the biggest surprises is how much more human resources you have to <laughs> sort of be able to manage, and how woefully unprepared <laughs> you generally are. There's no training. W- w- there's no training. There's no. There's not even any real conversation about it.
0: You mean that move from being like, you know, like a, a writer, head writer, whatever, and to showrunner. There's well, like head- a huge-
1: a uh, head writer has has to have that same level. Like a head writer to me is is basically a showrunner right. who's focused in the room. And so they need to have that level of, of understanding about about human resources management as well. And we like we don't get that training. Like everything just comes from like, oh, we're in a room together and we're all friends. Right? And yeah. and, and it's like actually like, no, we need to sort of know what the sort of, you know, rules of employment engagement are. And we're not generally trained in that it's i like, just got
0: so stressed out here it's you guys is, talk about it's like it. going from
2: being an oh, artist man, to being an architect yeah. you know and there's mm. uh, there's a huge difference I, I had a i was really fortunate moving from in between seasons of transplant they offered me a leadership coach um which is nothing that i've ever been offered before and so they connected me with um a, co- a, a coach who works with uh, women across various industries who are kind of looking to develop their leadership skills and I you know I did six sessions with her and man it was such good training and I would I, knowing what I know about it now I would have paid for it myself because you are your own business so you need to invest in your own training I would highly recommend yeah. doing that but it's not something you're kind of told no. and so to have a producer that supports you and says hey we see this potential we see you you know moving up how can we support you? Can we offer you this? And you just have to walk through the door. Like, yep. it's it's huge. But we don't really have a lot of that in this industry.
1: We don't. I I took, when I realized I was moving into show running, I took a conflict resolution course. Mm. Because it was like, I need to learn how to be able to stand my ground on stuff, but also do it in a way that is... Um, you know not a doctor no you're you're so good at that too that's something that when i i mean it wasn't always that way i mean you have been pretty
2: much since i've known you because when i whenever i'm in a position of do i'm always like okay here's how dennis has dealt with that here's the modeling i've seen and how it's worked like you're truly one of the best conflict resolvers that i've ever worked with yeah
1: that was and seriously like i appreciate that and I can all I can think of is all the times I fucked up, <laughs> like before that. And you know, and and all those writers that are like listening to this going, yeah, you're 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 wrong, Rachel.
2: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, there was and to this, them, I, I
1: I am sorry. Did like, you, uh, you remember
2: that time on the order where I was covering set, mm-hmm. and there was a hair situation? Yes. Yeah. And I, you know, I was learning to cut. Co- Dennis is really good at at helping you work into the job above the level that you've done before. And so that's what I was doing. I was covering set. I was learning how to be an on-set producer Um, and I went about, there's a chain of command on set. You go to the AD when you need something and they disseminate it to the team. But I I panicked and I skipped the AD because it was coming at us and we were moving and everything was crazy and I, I, I was still learning that order. And um, on the order. On the order. And, yeah. You
1: know, that's why <laughs> we called it that.
2: <laughs> I Dennis got, I think you got, what, four different phone calls from yeah. people about yeah. that? You know, and Rachel didn't tell us. And, and I called you, and I explained the situation. And you said, I remember being, like, really nervous because I knew uh-huh. I had messed it up. And you just said, look, here's where the train went off the tracks. Here's how you need to deal with that in the future. Here's how you need to correct your actions and don't worry about it. I have your back, I have you on set for a reason, and you won't make that mistake again, so all good. And I was like, Wow. You know, (laughs) and I haven't made that mistake. I'm sure I will, but I haven't yet made that mistake. Oh, that's not what Joe says. (laughs) You know, you can't listen to that guy.
1: (laughs) I have to. He's phoning me like every other day. I'm kidding. I'm
2: sweating.
0: Yeah. I also want to talk about what a hair emergency is, but maybe we can talk about that. Oh, I'll, I'll,
1: I'll t- a hair emergency is is when there's a you know there's a a continuity problem with hair, and it's like you know, a, you know, a character's hair is suddenly changed, and and it's like, well, the, when did they change their hair? Because this scene is rolling right out of the yeah. last one. Like there's no time cut here, sort of thing. And and it's like you know, I don't know when they had time to dye it. So,
0: yeah, so. yeah, but it's um, it's magic. I mean, yeah. that's uh, on the order. Can't you yeah. you could have just explained everything, with it's magic. It's magic.
1: We could have. <laughs> and get, I like, do that. <laughs> I use that crutch a lot. We get
2: like two assistants. Yeah. Of those. Yeah. On
1: motive, it <laughs> really didn't go over well. Yeah.
2: it's magic.
1: Yeah. No, no.
2: You don't love that on transplant either.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. That's
2: divine conception. Yeah. yeah. No. Erekis, <laughs> the
1: god of speed and time, has come down to the bed. Yeah. I want. I want. <laughs> On that show, yeah. frankly. What was, the, what was the one in uh, this is a total off the rails thing. Love it. Beavis and Butthead? Sophocles, Roman god of feces.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, is, that is such a joke that comes from somebody being a teenager yeah. in a library yep. at lunchtime.
0: Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> um Dennis. Yes. <laughs> As far as writing and storytelling and building dialogue and building characters and all, all of that good magic stuff, what have mm. you learned from Rachel?
1: Um, wow. Oh, we're getting to the heartfelt part of the conversation. I, <laughs> did you? know I leaned forward. I changed my voice a yeah. little bit. I know. I know. You really yeah. you brought it down in mind. We're
2: terrified of this. Yeah.
1: answer. I, I feel like I feel like we've just gone to the single piano and no, and it's like we're gonna.
2: But it's like the in our case, it's like the horror music, like the ding, yeah, 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 ding, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah that this is a
0: right delaying up. tactic. Come on. <laughs>
1: um, that's that's true. Totally, Of course, that's it's true. a delaying <laughs> tactic. Um, I mean, I bring Rachel, like, the best way for me to answer that question is is when I'm staffing a room, why do I want Rachel in the room? And, um, you know, there's several reasons uh, besides the fact that she makes me laugh. Uh, So there's always, like, you know, there's always an understanding that there's going to be humor in the room and humor on the page. Um, But she's got a very natural voice with dialogue. Mm -hmm. So when I'm getting pages from Rachel... um, You know, one of the things I know I'm not having to worry about is the dialogue between characters because it's going to have a very natural flow and it's going to have a very, um, you know, easy quality to it. It's not going to be sort of, you know, like And I'm sort of jumping around a little like when you're when you're staffing a room and I think I've talked about this before, so I apologize when you're staffing a room, it's kind of like Iron Chef.
0: Right? No, you like, did not bring up the Iron Chef.
1: Iron. Well, this is this is always my analogy for it. So you, it's a you,
0: confessional and an evening at the Improv, I and, think.
1: And Iron Chef, because <laughs> you want a good meal. But you pick you pick writers, you pick writers who you know have better qualities than yourself. So my my thing is, I always feel like I like structure. I get structure of a show. So I can sit there and break an episode very quickly. I, you know, like, for example, I bring Shelly onto a show because Shelly's the one who goes, no, you got to think about character, asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, no, yep. we're going to blow something up. And she's like, yeah, but why are we blowing something up? Like, oh. You know, and so, you know, and Rachel's, Rachel's the same way. Rachel thinks about the characters and she comes to the show and the scenes from a character perspective and what is that character feeling coming into the scene and what's that character feeling coming out of the scene. So it's, it's you know, there's, and you know, um, there's also youth, right? There's also a different perception of um, the relationship to the characters than, you know, the 52 year old guy who's like sitting there going, I think this should happen because of my day. <laughs> This is what you did, and Rachel's like, "Yeah, that hasn't happened in 30 years, old man." So <laughs> you know, so I mean, so it's 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 a multitude of sins.
0: <laughs> okay, Rachel, same question, but this time about Dennis.
2: Oh man, um, I I honestly. <laughs> still like feel it's like so i have to hide under my hair cuz he said
0: nice voice i know it's the
2: voice
1: if you could be a fish
0: <laughs> that's like, my next question yeah, Dennis. James I, know.
2: Up in here. I know. um <laughs> honestly there are several key areas for for you know and i i tell everybody this like i want to work with dennis for the rest of my career um and, and they
1: all go really don't
2: <laughs> think that's usually the, it's usually like I know me too <laughs> um, but it's because Dennis loves making television and he loves entertaining people and it is something that people forget about what we do like it's a it's a privilege to do what we do it's really hard you know no denying that but he always comes in going how can this be fun how can it mean something be about something and how can it be fun not just on the page or on the screen but in the process and the process of making TV is the most important part to me. Like, yes, it's great to get results. It's great to get ratings. It's great if people like it. But for me, it's only about the process of doing it, because that's kind of 98% of your time. And the day that I started working with, you know, in a room with Dennis was the day I went, oh, this can, the process can be good and fun and exciting. So he really inspires that attitude Like from day one for the room for the show it's supposed to be a good time um everybody needs to take it fucking seriously but it's supposed to be a good time so that's one um another is like the inverse essentially of what he said i'm i'm not good at structure it's my weakest point as a writer And working with somebody who can just see the matrix and can walk in and be like here's the matrix here's what it is it's Like there's so much to learn from that. And I'm probably irritatingly like, how did you do that? How did you get there? Please tell me about that. How did we go from A to B? I'm always the one asking the questions of like, you're five steps ahead of me. Explain to me how we got there so I can do it and emulate it. And I'm always thirsty to kind of grow my knowledge and experience in that sense. Um, And then also just we just like have a similar depravity and Dennis kind of was a person who said, look, it's okay to be a weirdo. It's okay to be de-pravity. a weirdo. Depravity,
0: that's mm-hmm. the word I was missing in my, <laughs> in my <laughs>
2: intro. Yeah,
1: honestly, it was. <laughs> I think I think you noticed Rachel and I both looked at each other when you skipped it and we were like, I, fucking. Where's depravity?
2: <laughs> You know, Not surprise. But like, your celebration is like of being weirdos. So. That's right. It's like weirdos welcome here. Yeah. Always, you know. But That's it's a sign I'm missing in this office. It's <laughs> it's
1: absolutely a sign. But it's it's absolutely important. I mean, it's it. I mean, the you have to be able to let your let your depravity, your free flag, whatever you want to call it. You know, your your personal foibles. Um, You know, you you have to feel free and safe in, in the room to be able to talk about that stuff. And there's nothing more depressing to me than when I'm in a room where I don't feel like I can just be open in an exchange with with people. And and you know so you you know you you know we're in the blowing smoke up each other's ass <laughs> portion of of the conversation, but you know the fact that we have a similar depravity, you know, and Shelley has that similar depravity, totally. it makes it easier, right? You yeah. know, it's like when you're able to s- sort of. Stock the room with people that are as fucked up as you are. Hmm. Then it's like, all right, we're gonna have fun. Yeah, you know, it's like, that- what's the plastic in the corner for? Don't worry don't about ask it. it. <laughs> <laughs> if you got to ask, you don't want to know.
2: That safety that you're talking about, though, it translates into the process because, yeah. I mean, I I think I've talked about this before, but I spent most of the first season of The Order lying on the floor of my office because I was going through and continue to navigate some really intense health challenges in an industry that is not made for people with any kind of mobility or physical differences or any any kind of differences really Um, and and that kind of like knowing that I was working with somebody who was like it's okay to be a weirdo you know in all manners made it okay for me to say hey I'm going to show up and do my job but here are the different things that I kind of need to do it and I know they don't fit into the framework of film and TV and Dennis was always the one saying you tell me what you need we'll make it happen and I knew that coming in because we you know he he just inspires that kind of you're safe in this room uh way and so it translates into process in a much more tangible way than just having fun in the room um and that's just something that I kind of hadn't experienced before.
1: Which, yeah. And that's, I mean, I, I just find it, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, we don't, you know, there's so many aspects of this industry that doesn't put personal situations first, whether it's family or health situations or stuff like that. It's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, and that's something as well with Mike and Chad that I really enjoy working with those guys about is, they understand that so Mm -hmm. it's never a situation where I feel like it's you know it's never been like okay I'll go fight that fight for you Mm -hmm. kind of thing it's more like oh okay so this is the situation and this is how we'll deal with it and I'll go let Chad and Mike know we need you know we need more couches Mm -hmm. and then generally it's like more couches show up
3: yeah
0: so
1: yeah because really everything is solved with a couch
0: True. Or just, a beanbag chair. Yeah. Or a beanbag yeah. yes, bean yes. chair. Yes.
2: beanbag chair. When yeah. I showed up in the room on transplant, uh, there was a beanbag chair waiting for me and I was yeah. just like, Okay, yeah. This is there's some things happening yeah. and they're making me misty.
1: I remember but I remember like when I started when I started shaping my writer's room and one of the things I was looking at was furniture and and it's like I'm sitting there going, I don't want to fucking 20 foot conference table I don't want to sit at a chair all day I want couches I want everybody to be able to lay down if somebody wants to like if somebody has to lay down Mm -hmm. they should be able to lay down but everybody should just be able to flop out right And, and it's like you know set it up there's a table you know it's like friendly giant Room, right? Nice. Here's a rocking chair for someone a who wants to rock. Great
0: reference. Big yep. chair
1: for two people to curl up in. Yep. Here's the whiteboard. Get to work.
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is it still possible to have that kind of fun? Iron Chef confess. I don't even. Know, I've I've lost the plot of what that actually is. But in the age of COVID, where we're doing stuff over Zoom, or is it harder to, to you know, do that alchemy, that thing you do as showrunners, you know? and run a writer's room and get that chemistry going in the age of COVID?
1: I think the, the thing for me with a writer's room, I'm just going to jump in on that Jump, one. jump. Um, the thing for me that is the worst about a Zoom room is the lack of spontaneity. Mm. That's the thing I miss. Like, I, I love the fact that everybody can be in their own, like, even more in their own sort of cocoon space and have their, you know, the things around them that, you know, spur their imagination. Um but it is such a structured conversation and it's so unnervingly polite mm-hmm. cuz there you just can't afford that spontaneity right There's like you, extra
2: protocols in yeah. a, in a digital way and yeah. i think you know there are some really great benefits to people realizing you can work over distance um and it in in back to the gatekeeping conversation helps kind of break some of those barriers down i will be honest that i find zoom everybody kind of is like oh you must be loving zoom because physically it's better for you it's way worse because i have to sit in front of a camera Mm -hmm. and i can't i mean dennis knows i'm i'm walking and pacing i'm all over the place um i i've actually it's sort of shaken me up in a how a room needs to work and i'm not sure that i could ever go back to a nine hours a day sitting in the same room. I'm becoming much more of a fan of like conversations taking place, then go like prove the work and then come back together and refine it. And then, you know, and I I prefer doing that over the phone and in smaller groups. And so I kind of came up with the, like the first room I worked on was continuum. I think there were 10 of us in that room. That's a lot of people. Now I'm like, keep it intimate, keep it small, Make it fast, make it dirty and messy, so that you can go prove the work and come back together. And that's like that's just my own preference. Everybody has a different opinion on that, but uh, they're just there's all kinds of challenges no matter how you do it that you kind of have to figure out.
0: What's dirty and messy?
2: You know, there's (laughs) (laughs) There's like um, a way that writers' rooms function that you know experienced writers who've kind of been around the block come in and say, okay, we're gonna sit down, we're gonna have half an hour of shooting the shit, we're gonna get into it, we're gonna break the structure, we're gonna talk about the personal stuff, and then we're gonna you know have lunch and. and I, I don't.
1: You missed the hour of talking about what we're oh, gonna right. do for lunch. Yeah, <laughs>
2: <laughs> at least an hour of that. And and I don't find that like I don't know if my brain's just fractured, but I can't do it that way anymore. I want to have like a messy emotional conversation about the characters and hone in on some emotional truth that we figure out, throw some structure on it, and then send someone off to go see if it works yeah. um, on their own without like. Talking because it's really just a lot of opinions, and everybody has great and interesting opinions. But it ends up being here's six ways to go. You make a decision. Rather just talk about the messy truth because that's the thing you can't change, and all the other decisions are arbitrary. So just go figure them out and come yeah. back when you have something.
1: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but it's and I mean that that actually does sort of make me want to acknowledge one of the benefits of the Zoom room is I it does mesh with my desire to just move through, through something quickly yeah get and then get it onto the next stage yeah like i i'm not a fan of i'm not a fan of breaking and rebreaking the story i'm a fan of that's good enough somebody start an outline <laughs> we'll read that and see where the next you don't where, where know the, until the, the, the it's on the are. page you, you never know. know you never know and so so for me it's 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 like you know and this is uh, this goes back to that conversation about structure you know because it's not really a secret it's just make a decision and go with it totally and then like like just get it broken and then go okay well that's you know that's 18 beats and 30 scenes so let's 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 break you know let's get this outline written and we'll see where it's where it's dragging its heels
2: and if you stay open yeah. to adjusting it which you're going to have to yeah. then you end up finding it on the page which in my opinion is a lot more rewarding than yeah. talking around it in a cyclone you know, not making a choice. We, we say on transplant too, we're like, let's just pick something and make it work. And then when it's on the page, we'll identify where it doesn't work and we'll adjust it. And it, it's so much, you know, clearer of a process to me, although it isn't to everybody, it can be opaque.
1: Yeah. But it's like, you know, just the beat. I mean, it's, it's not even paper anymore. It's fucking ones and zeros in a laptop. So, so it's like, it's like, we can change it. Like you know, and we're changing shit up to the day where you're shooting. You know, some days you're changing it as you're shooting, where you're like, "Oh fuck, that didn't work."
3: We're <laughs> in post. Yeah. Oh man,
1: like I, I, still remember. I still, I'm not gonna get into too much detail. I still remember having to rewrite one entire scene of a, of a in an episode of television and do all the dialogue in ADR post.
2: When you're on their back.
1: When you're on, yeah. on a super wide, yeah.
2: super <laughs> wide yeah.
1: shots where you can't see lip flap yeah. and it's like.
0: Okay, well we're not recording anymore. Yeah. You're gonna give us. The, oh, I'll, t- I'll give you the yeah. same on, 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 on
3: this specific you. scene. That's
0: just for our Patreon subscribers. Yeah. Kidding. kidding, kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be like, I paid a buck for that.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, you did.
0: Patreon. <laughs> Uh oh, I had this is exactly what I wanted. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I haven't I haven't hit like stop or anything yet, but I'm just yeah. I feel like I have more understanding of writers' rooms, which is I mean one day you're gonna have to let me like just come and hide in a corner, you know. When when you have a room again with like couches and yeah. beanbag bag chairs and stuff. Yeah, it's and hard I'll to just hide like, in the corner like, of the room that. No, Don't worry about it. Ghost,
3: That's Sabrina?
0: When's Ghost in the machine. Ghost yeah. in the machine. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she here? <laughs>
3: Don't worry
0: about it. <laughs> Don't, worry. Don't worry about it. But I also feel like I understand the two of you and
1: this. I'm this. glad somebody does. I'm <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> just felt like I'm this has been therapy for me. I was going to say, I'm going to give you my therapist number yeah. and you can explain some
0: stuff to <laughs>
2: yeah, Mine too while you're at it. Actually, yeah. that'd be great. Is there anything,
0: like the kind of thing that, you know, I've experienced in, in family counseling, is there anything you would like to say to each other right <laughs> now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> not with the mics on. No. <laughs> no, we're not doing that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so <laughs> it's that's trap. for
2: Patreon. Yeah, it's it's a trap. total crap. It's, like, it's
1: like, hey, Rachel, virtue.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there. That's. Yeah. It's all
2: out in the open yeah.
1: now.
0: What are you talking? Emotional two,
1: sensitivity.
0: No. When the two of you talk to each other, and you, or you get together, and you're not talking about work. What are you? Do you guys talk about stuff that's not work?
2: Yeah. I guess.
0: I mean,
1: there's there's something else to discuss.
0: I mean, when you both came in, you're like, "Hey, what are you watching? I'm watching this. Yeah. You should watch it. You're not watching." It. I mean, that was that was like 15 minutes. Of- yeah, that's true. We yeah. talk yeah. about that. We talk about. We talk
1: about. You
2: know, we yeah, talk we talk- about- it either, it's actually it's. <laughs> going-
1: what do friends talk about on the next YVR screen scene <laughs> on a scene?
2: very special episode <laughs> yeah. um, for Patreon subscribers? Wait, wait. no,
1: no, we got to get there. tonight on a very special YVR screen scene. We talk about the things that filmmakers talk about when they're not talking about filmmaking.
2: And it's over. (laughs) Um. It's like this. Uh... I think the thing is though like, but you're artists yeah. I'm sorry I'm yeah. sorry
0: but I want to like justify what you're artists and you know and we live <laughs> okay that's it no, I, no. I'm done no, I just, I'm
2: fucking walking off I, you can I, end I, this
0: episode goddamn selves <laughs> but
2: the thing is though we don't we often end up talking about media and talking about yep. you know movies or you know whatever but it makes it's it's a more of a space that's made when you need when you need that landing ground. I remember there was a time I think about a year and a half ago and it just been a difficult, mm. challenging time. Yep. And I Dennis and I were working on a pitch together and I walked into his office and he was like, Hey, what's up? Have a coffee and we sat down and he's like, You ready? And I'm like, No And I just I I, I I couldn't even start working because this there was just this big weight and I just unloaded and I I think uh, Cried a whole bunch on your office floor about a bunch of stuff, and you just sat there and made space to listen to it and then say, That's shitty, or I understand, or Here's how I've like been in a similar situation. And there was just space to do that. Mm -hmm. And then once kind of we got through that, it was like, Okay, we can work now. And it wasn't like a let's get through this to work, it was just like take the time you need to because. The, the friendship just exists so I, I feel like it's hard to answer that question by saying like what do we talk about I'm like oh, I don't know yeah. but I th- know Rachel's that are talking about shit yeah. <laughs> yeah my
3: shit like, yeah. talking about
1: all Rachel's shit all
0: the fucking time
3: <laughs> yeah it's pretty accurate actually yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hey. love you, Rachel. But Thank yes, it's a lot of shit. Like, what am I? supposed to Yeah, say? and that's what friends are for—to yeah, right. listen to all of your shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean it's also it's. I mean that's also part of what I do is is showing you know, artists they're just like us. Yeah. Kind kind of thing, you know. And not anyway, worse. whatever, yeah. whatever. Not, not worse. But <laughs> worse because we should know better. Yeah. <laughs> I well yeah we could get into more of my yeah. issues but like I just realized recently that. I I just watch so much TV and I watch a lot of film and I kind of, I, I, there's a part of me I think that I put artists on a pedestal because I think that they have everything figured out because I look to art to figure stuff out and the idea that they don't have stuff figured out, yeah. I find deeply troubling and disturbing. So that's something I'm working on in therapy. I, th-
1: I think it's like <laughs> figuring is, is, is the proper tense for the verb. It's yeah. like we're figuring that shit out. Yeah. And it, it's funny because it's like I, I mean, you know, I see a therapist or I don't see them right now because of I zoom with my therapist every couple of weeks. yeah. And I remember like one of our very early conversations in the process was talking about the artistic fear of losing your voice in your work because of the fact that you're t- doing therapy. Mm. Right. Like, so it's like, you know, am I going to am I going to cure something? You know, it's like, yeah. you know, my mother issues are resolved and my writing sucks. Yeah. So it's, you know, and, it, and my, my therapist was like, it was like, don't worry, it's not going to
0: happen. You are incredibly <laughs> fucked up.
2: <Yeah>. It's <laughs> like, so many ways. Even,
1: even if we could fix you, which I'm not saying we can, even if we could. That, that's not how creativity works.
2: <laughs> it does open up an interesting question about, um, you know, the responsibility of artists and also the responsibility of viewers because I've certainly been in a position before where I've you know, put artists on a pedestal and then they've disappointed me and I, I, we have a laundry list of great artists who we are now each individually grappling <sighs> about whether we can watch their work or, mm-hmm. you know, does their current action negate their past great work? Yeah. Um, and it's it's really a subjective question. I don't think you can really answer it as a whole. It has to be up to the individual and where their feelings and, and connection to it lies. but. Sometimes I'm like, if, if we say artists need to be flawless or aren't going to do bad things, that's just, I can't live up to that. I'm, I just do terrible things all the time. Like, I don't mean to, but it's just, and it doesn't absolve me of the responsibility of those actions or of dealing with them, but it is unfair to say an artist needs to, you know, be above or on a different plane than a regular human because they can't be. They're just a human. They're messy. They're going to fuck up
1: all the time. That's sense. my
0: my deep sigh. Because I'm like, if you guys ha- don't have everything figured out, then what hope is there for me? If I had
1: everything figured out, I'd be off this fucking rock. <laughs> I swear to Christ. If I had it all figured out, I'd be like, let's go! Later! Get back to the mothership!
0: Alright. <laughs> so... Uh, you, you, we did everything that I wanted to do. <laughs> I'm so depleted. I'm just going to go cry in my office now for the next couple of hours. That no, tracks. you both are, you both are, What well, you've, you've cried in there a lot, right? I when did. you were writing oh Transplant. God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're both absolutely delightful. Please, please come back. Bring more, you friends, and then we'll, we'll right. talk some more. Bring Shelly next time, and we'll get <laughs> you all in there. Um, where can our listeners find you, follow you, send you their ideas for shows that you're not going to read? Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> because I'm legally not allowed to. legally stress not that. You. I am not opening that file for a reason.
2: You can so. find me at DennisHeaton.com. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I can't even think of a nasty one for you
2: because
1: <laughs> you just go and like you just go and get that like w- you totally
2: <laughs> great um you can i i guess follow at your peril rachel Langer on twitter although i'm not as frequent on there lately so do your thing <laughs> yeah
1: i mean you might find me on instagram and maybe on twitter but i didn't cancel the order so don't
2: Yeah, don't add us. (laughs) Don't don't tweet me about that. Those are the least tweet
1: tweet
0: Netflix. Enthusiast, yes, tweet Netflix about the order. Those are the least enthusiastic plugs for social media handles. I think we have had on this podcast.
2: Tricky to be an artist online these days. (laughs) I just,
1: I mean, I just don't like social media.
2: So, but you're both so good at it. It's serious. because I stay off.
1: I, I post photos of a dog.
2: <laughs> you, yeah, you post photos of a dog, which people can enjoy. I yeah. post a lot of soapboxy medical crap, which people will not enjoy. So yeah. you know, we. I enjoy each other it. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah, I kind of enjoy it too. Oh, okay. because I'll, I'll I'll look to see I'm like is that the carpet for my office?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always she's like so. Something from that's why she's not <laughs> working on that picture.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, and please watch their stuff. And please come back and talk about your stuff.
1: Oh, well, I'll always come back and talk Me about too. stuff. I
3: love it, stuff, yeah. and you come back
0: and talk oh, about Rachel's stuff, and you come back and talk about Dan's stuff. Okay. All right, and the com- whole
1: episode where I'll just talk trash about transplant. <laughs> <All
2: right>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you and Joel will be like what
0: the fuck
2: <laughs> what an <laughs> asshole Joel will be like you are not doing any podcasting." <laughs> yeah.
1: podcast days are done <laughs> <Over. Joking. laughs>
3: alright alright
0: we're done we're done you can find us at com. follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at scene and at Sabrina sabrinarf is really where the magic happens s-a-b-r-i-n-a-r-m-f Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me Sabrina Rani Mara Furminger I am the only one to blame and it's edited by Simon Furminger special thanks to Mariana Furminger for recording our Patreon ad to Paul Furminger for technical support and to Dane not Furminger Dane <laughs> Dane not Furminger WA for the original music Weber Screen Scene is a division of Fish Flight Entertainment and I guess you have to be a Furminger to work here. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic and depraved film and television scene and cut! This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history, the fish flight. In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day.